What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello and welcome in everybody to what is still called Upon Further Review. Maybe by the first of the year we'll have a, a new name or maybe we'll just keep that one. We're not quite sure. I am Kevin Sherrington. I just hope they keep me. I'm Barry Horn. And on location in uh, Nash- lovely Nashville is... Uh, that would be Evan Grant. I'm here to uh, advance the uh, whatever bowl game they play in Nashville. <laughs> That's the, that would be the Music, Music City, City Bowl. Bowl. That's Your Aggies are going to be there. Oh well, I'm I'm here to get all the pulse of the uh, Aggie Nation and yeah. and Texas Rangers at the winter meetings. Yes, at the winter please, meetings. Barry, please come on. Let's get our priorities right. Yeah, it's whoever's at quarterback this week. Let's go. Yeah, there you go. And and our guest already on the line from the Austin American Statesman, our good old buddy, long time. He's worked at the Statesman since uh, since '46. Kirk Bowles. Thank you, and uh, please quit calling me old. <laughs> well, as long as you're older than me, you're going to be old, okay? <laughs> Nobody, he's older than you. Everybody here is older than you. Yes, they are, except for Evan. Except he's a kid. Evan's just a kid. He's a pup. He's a whippersnapper. There you go. Well, let's just jump right into it, Kirk. We had the uh, uh, the college football playoff uh, final results come in on Sunday. I was sorry to not see you out at the uh, at the grapevine uh, Gaylord Texan. Uh, but let me let me ask you first of all if you thought they got the four right teams. Uh, yes, they did get the four right teams. They did not get them in the right order. Well, what was your order then? Oh, isn't Alabama clearly the best team in college football? I, I you know I think they are, and I think that argument that people have, I, I get a little tired of the well, Clemson's undefeated. You know, so yes. you, you can't put a one loss team over. Clemson, you know, and and I and I get the fact that they that you know that their three victories over top twenty five teams were eight, nine, and ten, and that's a and that's a great resume. But did they look so great against North Carolina? Did they look so great in all those wins? I, I it seemed to me a little bit like they they're they're a very good team and they have a great quarterback, uh, a Heisman Trophy finalist in Deshaun Watson. But I'm not sure that makes them number one. Can I just jump in here? Go right ahead. What does it matter? You have four teams. You want to win the national championship. That's the only goal. You have to beat two teams. Doesn't matter what order you beat them. Yes, it does matter. Oh, no, it doesn't. Thank thank you, Barry. Thank you for that obvious. uh, uh, (laughs) Here's what does matter about the seeding situation is what, what I don't get is what difference does it make if you're one or four? There is no advantage to being the number one seed over the number four seed, is there? No, there's, there, you're right, because it's at a neutral side. So if it's one or four, that, that's the, but there's the point I made was the fact that I think that Oklahoma's much better off playing Clemson, uh, as Mac Brown also said, uh, not only because you get the, the revenge factor, at least they had that going for them a little bit, uh, but, but also because I, I, don't, I don't think that Oklahoma will fare as well against that pounding offense of Alabama or perhaps even in the, the, the kind of defense that Michigan State puts up. I think those are, I think those are great semifinal matchups. Kirk, I would tell you, Clemson should not be number one just because they're undefeated. If you go by that logic, Houston and Iowa should have been number one, two or three, you know, in the last few weeks until they incurred their first losses. So you can't just go by the record. And and the seeding absolutely matters because number one gets its pick of location. And uh, Clemson, by virtue of that, you know, is in the Orange Bowl. 
And uh, had they done the seeding correctly, put Alabama number one, and Oklahoma would have stayed at number three where they belonged, you know, they would have avoided uh, Alabama. They still are avoiding them. But I, I just can't get around the fact that it just seemed like the, the panel manipulates the seedings for the, either the matchups or the uh, the geographical uh, sites for the where they're I, going to I asked Jeff Long that question expressly. He says absolutely not that they are okay. Why? All right, and and, and of course he's going to say that. But why should Oklahoma drop from three to four just because they weren't playing? When Michigan State won a game against Iowa, they didn't win it impressively, but they beat Iowa and they beat Ohio State a few weeks before on the road, but. What did Oklahoma do to deserve to be dropped from three to four? I don't think it's so much what they, they did. They did what they, here's what they did, and it, it's what they didn't do. And you guys are going to continue to argue with me about this, and I'm going to continue to argue on the other side. And that is the lack of a championship game is always going to somehow negatively impact the Big 12. Yes, but they, should, they, do they, have a team, they do have a team in the playoffs this year, but they don't have that 13th data point. And because of it, if there's ever a one-loss team that's a champion, the Big 12 is either going to find itself with the fourth seed or on the outside looking in. If there had been an ACC, uh, an, uh, Pac- a Pac-12 team with a one-loss, Stanford would have jumped over uh, would have jumped over Oklahoma, and you'd be sitting on the outside again looking in. But Evan, Evan, I think that's asinine argument because Oklahoma is the undisputed champion. And I think it's arcane logic to say you must have a championship game uh, to be considered a true champion in a higher seed. Uh, you know, Big 12 can make the argument that, hey, we play nine, we play a round robin. We play everybody. The other teams don't play everybody. They play eight games. They have more cream puffs than a, than a bakery. And that's not held against those other leagues. Kirk, asinine and arcane. And can we please not use jargon? What is it, Evan, when do you ever use data point in a conversation except when you're on, on, on this podcast? I've got my dictionary open. I'm going to the B words next. <laughs> you got the B. Hey, let's, let's look ahead. Ever since Bob Bowlesby used it, I, you know, and Bob made the same argument that, that, uh, that Kirk just made, and that's all well and good, but... The, the numbers bear out that when you've got when you've got that extra game, and and when you've got two sets of teams playing different, obviously they play different schedules, they play different strength of schedules, and now they play different numbers of games. I just think that that is going to continue to work in terms of let's use some more jargon, Barry. In terms of the facts on the ground, it's going to continue to work against the Big Twelve. But what but what uh, Jeff Long said. Sunday was that this year it probably played to the Big 12's advantage. The it probably that, did. It the, probably did. But it's it's just patently unfair because when the Big 12 had a championship game, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 did not, and they railed on and on about how it's fair. We don't have to have a championship game. Now it's the shoes on the other foot, and they're all bent out of shape. I just think it's ridiculous that some of these leagues are arguing out of both sides of their mouth. Let's look ahead. What's going to happen once the playoffs are played? Once the games are played, what happens? Well, Alabama's going to win it all. We know that. So, you, do you really believe in Alabama that much? And that's based on on what? On the fact that every time you look at them, and and I think you may have seen them live. I was at the A&M Alabama game. They are grown men. 
and I just can't overstate that. I think you just look at their teams, and I know they can never beat an NFL team. I'm not going to go there. But it just seems like they play such a physical brand of football that other teams really don't. Now, Michigan State plays that way a lot, but they're so challenged offensively that I'm not sure the Spartans can can uh, match Alabama on that. And Derrick Henry will run, carry the ball 50 times. So I just think Alabama is a clear clear favorite of these four teams can we can we get into that just a little bit of a sidebar on that the fact that everybody just laughs off the fact that derrick henry's carrying the ball 46 times a game i mean to me that is that is ludicrous that that uh, nick saban does that and kind of laughs it off and says that well oh i wanted to i wanted to take him out of the game but you know they they started to move the ball down the field and and derrick he wants to do that that's like he doesn't trust jake coker's quarterback that's the other part of that equation but it, it may be the other part of the equation. The, the thing is, is that, that one day this might come back to roost for, you, you, for poor Derrick Henry. Your second – hey, it's just like – It may it's come like, back wait, to roost it's, for Nick Saban at some point it, in time. No, no, no. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just like a Little League coach. You you want to go with your best you have for as long as you have it, and, and you don't really he – he's not looking ahead at Henry's career in the NFL. Wait, I'm not talking every, about his career. Every running back in college needs to come out early, every – for that sheer reason, you were right on that, Kevin. Well, it's not—it's not just for his career in the NFL; it's for his life but, after that. Have, yeah, we, have we not seen enough evidence on what concussions have done in these guys, and and, and the way he runs, uh, the fact that you would put him out there forty-six times? I'm not saying he's done that his entire career here, but he's sure stepping it up now. I, I just think that it's—you know—you you hear announcers laughing about it. Wow, isn't that great? He carried the ball forty-six times. That's a, what's the limit? You want to give us a limit? What's the limit? I, I don't think Doctor Sherry. I don't think that a running back should be carrying the ball more than twenty-five times a game. That should be mandated. All right, Kevin, Not mandated, but it doesn't have to Kevin. do that. Yes. Kevin, let me ask you a question here, okay? Um, and I, I agree with you that, that this could come back to roost for both Derrick Henry and for Nick Saban because if a guy like a Derrick Henry or, you know, previously you had Eddie Lacy, if these guys blow out early or, or their NFL career is, is, is hurt early, at some point in time I think it's going to lead to a player um, – Questioning whether or not he wants to he wants to sign up for that in Nick Saban's offense. The the question I've got is if you've got a kid, if you've got a big kid, a big running back, you going to tell him not to go to Alabama at this point? You going to tell him that it's going to hurt his career? You going to tell him it's going to enhance his career? Enhance his career? Of course it is, Evan. And but let, let me ask well, you this. Let me, wait, wait. I want to ask Evan well, who is Alabama going to play in this national championship game? Thanks for cutting Why me off on that one, Barry. So yeah, because Barry, Barry doesn't like the topic. Barry doesn't like the fact that you know he doesn't care. We're, that, not, we're not doctors here. What are, what are, what are, so we're not supposed to write about podcast? these things? We're not supposed to write about, write about it. it. We don't need to talk about it right here. We don't need to talk about it. We don't Barry, need to talk about that, this. The, Unbelievable. Barry, the fact that you and I are not doctors are great disappointments <laughs> to our mothers because given our heritage, we should both be doctors or lawyers, and you know that. But who they? who is Alabama going to play? Oklahoma. Alabama plays Oklahoma. Okay. Barry, do you want to just keep on ramrodding this whole uh, this whole podcast? <laughs> no, no, Go ahead. no. What do you got I, next? I, I, okay, let's talk about the Heisman. Now that now we we've got and who and Evan uh, Kirk has Alabama winning, winning it all. Kevin's having a little fit here. Who do you think will win it all? Well, let me. I want to go back to a point Kevin raised several weeks ago on the <laughs> podcast when we talked about Arkansas and he talked about what a good team Arkansas has traditionally been in the second half of the season because they have a huge offensive line and they pound the ball at people time after time after time. I think that works to Alabama's favor in a championship game 
they have the horses, they have the horse in the backfield. When you can wear down a team in the fourth quarter at this time of year, just like Michigan State did to Iowa, you just simply control the game. Kevin? Go ahead, Kirk. So is it unanimous, Alabama? I'm going to take Oklahoma. Ooh, I like it. I might. I might. Even though Barry has no reason why he's picking Oklahoma. Hey, I picked. I picked the Cowboys to beat the Redskins last night. I think it's going no, to come. You did not. You picked the Red. We have data on. This. Oh, have let's on that. look at the Dallas Morning News yesterday. Barry's the only one who uh, picked the Cowboys to win that game. But let's let's get away from that. I'm well, going to be like Barry and say, let's stop talking about something that everybody else is talking about, and we'll move on to something else. Uh, on the uh, so uh, we, 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 I think we said that we we're in agreement that it's either going to be Oklahoma or Alabama. I'm going to I'm going to say Oklahoma as well. I, I'm going to say the difference is going to be Baker Mayfield over over Jake Coker. I think that there's enough difference there at, at quarterback that uh, that he's going to lift them to the national championship. In big game, Bob gets his title back. Yes, but big game, Bob gets his title back. That's yep. correct. All right, now let's talk you about. Don't the, think Alabama will wear them down in the fourth quarter. Uh, game. I think they could. I, I also think that Oklahoma has a very good running game and very powerful running game, and I think that that'll have a factor as well. I, I do think that you know that, uh, that certainly everything lines up for Alabama to win this. They they look uh, tremendous and they've been getting better and better as they go. Uh, but I, I'm I'm going to go with Oklahoma on this. All right. Okay. Balanced, very balanced, very balanced, very balanced yeah. team. That's that, that's right. Although Alabama is 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 also pretty balanced. All right, now let's uh, let's consider now. Kirk and I both had Heisman votes, uh, we, which we had to get in yesterday by five o'clock. Uh, I think I, I I beat the deadline by a whole five hours, maybe. I'm not I'm not quite sure. Uh, Kirk, we're not allowed to reveal our votes until after the announcement is made. Uh, uh, I've actually gotten a letter about that in the past. Uh, I don't know if you have admonishing me for talking about my vote, so I'm very careful about this. I'd hate to lose it at this point. Well, you get a lot of those letters, though, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah I do get those kind of things. But let's kind of talk around that a little bit. Uh, so the finalists are Deshaun Watson of Clemson. Um, well, help me out here. Who are the other two finalists? The, Christian McCaffrey and Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson. That's already brought up Deshaun Watson. Uh, let, let me just ask you this, Kirk. Uh, do you have any problem with those three finalists? Uh, well, <laughs> without revealing my vote, I guess I'd say a little bit. Uh, and I don't understand why they can't invite more than three. I don't know if it's a, you know, a discount thing. It's a budget crisis at the downtown athletic club or what. But, I, you know, I, I'm one of those, when I was president of the football riders, I advocated going to All-American second team. Because for a lot of these kids, it's, it's going to be the biggest athletic honor of their lives. And, I just think it'd be pretty cool if they could extend that to four or five or six. So I would have liked to have seen, you know, Baker Mayfield get there. I'd love to have seen Keenan Reynolds, the Navy quarterback, go to New York. So I thought that would be just a great publicity coup if, if they would extend the invitation list. Well, they used to do that. I, you know, there used to be several guys there at the for the Yeah. Oh, I think part of it, they look for a significant gap in the voting, you know, and then they try to break it off there. But what difference does it make? I mean, it's, you're making your own rules. You can buy 10 if you want to. So uh, so you are, are not happy. I'll have to say that I didn't have a big problem with the three finalists. Um, uh, I, I do think uh, one of the things that bothers me a little bit is, uh, as we know, the qualification for the award is the most outstanding player, not the most valuable player. Uh, and right. so I think sometimes uh, we feel like, 
if the guy is not on uh, a, a team that's finishing in the top three, four, five, then he doesn't qualify as a, a Heisman contender. And I think that's unfortunate. I think sometimes it's, it's you know, a guy's a great player, and if he's, if he's surrounded by a, a bunch of clowns, then it's a little difficult to, to mount that case that look, look, look at the difference he makes for this team. And I would agree with that. I think it should more than just be the value of it. And, and probably Alabama has a little bit of, a, of an edge because, you know, for Pete's sakes, they're either in the playoff every year or knocking on the door. So, you know, whether it's Mark, Mark Ingram or, or Derrick Henry, it seems like they're always going to have a little bit of advantage on that. So I like looking, making it more a wide-open race, looking at somebody like McCaffrey, the great all-purpose back from Stanford, the maybe quarterback. So I, I, I like you know the last few winners have been pretty much blowout with uh, Mariota and Winston and, and Johnny Football. So maybe we'll have a little bigger race this week. Could be close. Let, let's let's hope for that anyway. All right, now let's uh, let's move on to our uh, our last topic we're going to have with Kirk today. It is job openings in college football. Uh, we had this was supposed to be the great shakeout of 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 openings this season. We had Carolina, South Carolina. We had USC. We had uh, Georgia. Georgia. That was a late breaking one. Uh, we had uh, we had other jobs open as well. And there was a a, a big thought that wow, this is gonna you're gonna see some huge movement here. And what happens? The USC they hire a guy who was already on the staff, and then at, at South Carolina, unbelievably. They hired Will Muschamp, your old buddy, your head coach in waiting at Texas. Now, why is that so unbelievable? I mean, you know how coaches get recycled, you know, and he's uh, a, a great defensive coach unless, you know, Derrick Henry's carrying the ball 500 times. So, How, how did it work out when he at his last head coaching stop? I don't think he did too well, Evan, if, I, if, I, if I recall. Evan, you're a Georgia fan. You must be rejoicing over that. I am. Uh, I think it's a win-win situation for Georgia, quite frankly, because there had been a lot of rumor that Kirby Smart would have thought he would want to bring in Will as the defensive coordinator, and I, I just have lost a whole lot of uh, admiration for for Muschamp um, over the last couple of years because of the uncontrollable screaming on the sidelines. Uh, we saw that. We saw that several times this year with Auburn. And I just think that the guy that I want in charge of my program has got to be more in charge. You don't see, you don't see that kind of outburst from Nick, from Nick Saban. Uh, and, and he's supposed to have come from the Nick Saban coaching tree. I just think that, that Will works on defense because he does play with emotion. But I think that a lot of times this is a guy who loses control of those emotions and in a coaching situation – you can't afford to do it. On the other hand, I do think we can all agree now with Dabo Sweeney and Will Muschamp, the state of South Carolina is going to lead the nation in coaching decibels, yelling at their players. Kirk, when you were uh, covering Will Muschamp there at Texas, and of course there was the, the dubious claim that he was going to be the head coach in waiting. We all knew that wasn't going to happen. Mac never was going to you know, turn over the job right. to him. They, right. they were just doing that to give him more money. Uh, and and uh, keep him. And, and keep him. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but what was your impression of him there? Well, like like Evan and Barry mentioned, I mean, he's about as emotional a coach as you can find, and and uh, Nick Saban's pretty darn emotional too, and so Dabo Sweeney. They just, you know, uh, directed toward their own players, which I thought was very much over the top. I don't know if you saw either incident uh, last week, but I think I think a lot of ads 
you know, looking for emotion. You know, Davos Sweeney's a pretty emotional guy, too, and, and as, as is Nick Saban on the sideline. But they do have to control themselves, no question. And that game with Alabama, the outburst by, you know, Muschamp was just unacceptable. You just can't behave like that and, and try to lead young men that you expect to control their emotions. So I'm not surprised he's recycled, though. You know, this is obviously his last chance. And, you know, and, and a little bit speaks to <clears throat> just the race issue a little bit. I mean, if, if he would have been a black coach and fell to Florida, I don't think he would have gotten a second chance because you, you just don't see a lot of black coaches, you know, getting the good jobs, first of all. And then if they fail, you know, they don't often get a second chance. So I think it's kind of his pedigree. As I think Evan mentioned, you know, having coached at, at Alabama and Texas and, and been at Florida. So he's perceived as a big-time coach. As long as we're talking about alma maters here, I want to ask Kevin about his alma mater, the University of Houston. What is Tom Herman doing still still there? He is waiting for a job to come open at Texas A&M or at Texas. And he also got uh, $3 million. He got a, got a little bump there in, in his salary. So that, that's, that's what he's waiting on right now. Kirk, do you hear anything about uh, the, the rumblings out there about Tom Herman taking the Texas job if Charlie has another bad year next year? Oh, yeah. You know, you do hear those rumblings, and I think he got it 100% right. I think he is waiting because, you know, what's he got to lose? He just got a big bump to $3 million. He's not seen as a mercenary, you know, like uh, Graham who went to – you know, rise for one year and, you know, just level the department and left. So, you know, there's some stability there and Houston's not upset. But, you know, I'm going to be surprised, I think, like most of us, if they hang on to him. So, and I do think those are the two jobs he's waiting for. Which one will he get? Which one will come open first? Well, I would say probably Texas because I don't know how many people still have faith that Charlie's going to get this turned around. He's trying to get a, an offensive coordinator and, and that's dragging on, you know, in the firing, hiring business, it's like what happened in the last 10 minutes. And here we are getting a few days away from the end of the regular season, and he still doesn't have his man yet. So I don't think anybody has a whole lot of belief that, oh, my God, this is a Big 12 contender, national contender with what Charlie's got. So I would say if you were making the odds, I would say Texas would come open quicker than A&M, although someone's seat is much, much hotter nowadays and it was yes absolutely all right kirk as much as we hate to do this we're gonna have to call this one to a close uh we, we appreciate you coming on once again there's a there's some door prizes for you on the way out uh and we we appreciate that uh and uh and and, and i know you're going to be going to a bowl game this year which one are you going to well i'm hoping uh, either uh, go with ou to the orange bowl or come up to dallas for the uh semifinal up there see number one alabama ah. who should be number one Come on up to Dallas. Uh, Ford, there's a there's a, a spare bunk bed in, with Ford's room. You can come in and stay with us. Good deal. And I've uh, I got some other words in the dictionary I can use. If you you have well, well, next, next time we have you on, you'll, you'll get to the bees. But we're going to okay. s- say goodbye to you now. So as soon as you get off, Thanks, we're, we're, we're going to talk about you. We're not finished. <laughs> we're going to talk about you. See you, you Kirk. Be my guest. Bye-bye. There goes Kirk Bowles, one of our favorites, one of my old buddies, uh, and and I, I think that uh, what what he says is probably right about Texas. I, I do think that uh, that job's going to come open probably before the A and M job, but both jobs are, are open. That's one of the reasons Chad Morris came to Texas to, to coach at SMU. I think was that he, he obviously that was a good job, and he thought he could probably turn that situation around. Didn't go so well for him. But he, give him t- you, are you willing to give him how many years are you willing to 
I gave one of them a lot of times. I remember what, what uh, I was told that uh, that that Mac Brown told somebody he didn't think there were there was about a half dozen Division uh, One talent on that SMU team. Uh, so uh, that was one of the reasons he wasn't interested in that. So I, I don't think that uh, that uh, that Chad Moore should should hang his head too much about that. I, I gave him he's he's going to do fine. The problem for Chad if he was planning on on hopscotching to another job that's that's done now. He's going to have to stay at SMU for a couple more years and bring that back. So you you don't think Tom Herman runs the risk of he's hot of of cooling off in the next well sure he does you know i'm not quite sure exactly who all's coming back uh there with with the cougars so we'll we'll see what happens there but you know it was such a great season if he if he goes down to it goes down to eight wins or 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 seven wins that then you know that uh, that does drag it down a little bit i don't think he's going to end up going four and, and eight or something like that so we'll see evan you have any final words of wisdom for us I'm just not so sure that, that the Texas job comes open uh, first. I, I think that Mike Perrin has been a strong supporter of Charlie's, and I think he's voiced that. Uh, and and I, I go back to where A&M is and that someone has been there longer and that over the last three years they've got a losing record in the SEC. I go back to the, the constant indecision over the quarterback situation there. And I, I think that this is a program that could – that could fall even further, and, and if it does, you know, we're really going to be tested on, on this whole idea of did A&M make the right move by jumping to the SEC because I think they found out very, very quickly how difficult it is to win in, in, in that conference. I think you're right about uh, Mike Perrin. There's no question he's in Charlie's uh, corner. The The problem is is that uh, it won't ultimately be Char- uh, Mike, Mike Perrin's decision. decision. Uh, there'll be enough pressure It'll brought to bear. It'll be people who sign checks. Yes, there'll be enough pressure brought to bear at some point. They'll say, we, we can't have any more of this. They can't have another year like this. You know, if, if Charlie wins eight games le- next year, I'm not sure that's enough. He'd have to win at least nine, I think, to save his job. Uh, Kevin, I, don't, I mean, he's going to have, after this disaster of a year, he's going to have a win over a top-20 team in Baylor and potentially a win over the national champion. And it doesn't make this disaster of a year look quite as disastrous. I think if he comes oh, back with disastrous. an season next year. No, I, I see what you're saying. I think what the, the, the Baylor win can be explained by the fact that you got their punt returner playing quarterback. Uh, and so yeah. that, that was the difference there. All right, but we got to go. Yeah. Everybody, great to see you. Thanks for coming out. Especially great to see you, Evan. Hey, Kevin, one last question before we go. Yeah, go ahead. Did you ask Jeff Long yesterday about when, when he's going to appear on the podcast? I did not. I know you tweeted that, and he didn't reply to that. Jeff was not answering those kinds of questions. See ya. Oh, man. Goodbye. Goodbye.